0: It's the Renegades Rant Podcast with your host, the Kentucky Renegade. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you want to start your own podcast, go to anchor.fm or to your phone's app stores and download Anchor today.
1: Welcome to the show, everyone. This is the Renegades Ramp podcast, and we are coming to you from the River City Podcast Studios here in Henderson, Kentucky. And well, it's a nice early morning, and I can't wait to start this show. And we have a great guest. You may know her from TikTok. Her name is Living Right Twenty Six, Living Right One Hundred, and you may know her from the We Want the Names Foundation. So welcome to the show, Amy.
0: Hey there, Patrick. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. So how's everything your way?
0: Good. I'm actually not that far from you. I'm in Ohio. I didn't realize you were in Kentucky.
1: Oh, wow. What part of Ohio?
0: I'm in um, North Cincinnati.
1: North Cincinnati. That's my team. The bingos, they won last night.
0: They did.
1: Yeah. Thank goodness for Joe Burrow.
0: That's right. LSU, baby.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was very happy with the outcome of the game. I didn't like the uh, fact that we lost a bunch of our players, but we won. That was the main thing.
0: Yeah. Well, congrats to you guys. I'm I'm not originally from here, so I'm not a Bengals fan, but I will root for them since (laughs) I do live in a city and I am an LSU alum. So I have to to root for Joe Burrow. (laughs)
1: yeah in lsu what did you study at uh lsu
0: um english with uh concentration and creative writing
1: oh that's awesome yeah so well we know how we go through on TikTok, and we're always censored and you know there we like to talk about that we can't on TikTok, but we're here on the podcast so we know all about the we want the names so if you would just kind of give us a background on how that came about for you and uh Jessica.
0: Um so Jess and I are both um very different but also very similar people. Um we both are extremely passionate about um protecting children, protecting the innocence of children. Um we have different reasons for it, but uh, I think we both were at a point where we just got fed up because, um, you know, it's great to be on TikTok. It's great to connect with other patriots who um, support and love the pro-America movement. Um, But on the flip side, for us, it's very frustrating to see a lot of the virtue signaling going on. And I think it just came to a point where we got like tired of it. You know, it's like, why, are, why isn't anybody doing anything about this? How are we letting this clear career criminal get away with what he's gotten away with his entire life and giving the people, all of his clients a pass. So, you know, she just like, let's do a rally. I duetted it. And then from there we like talked the next day and here we are. We were just like, you know, it started with that little, um, you know, that little spark of, we're sick of Epstein and this whole debauchery, but then it grew into something so much more because we are both moms, we both um, want to make an impact, we want to help other moms out and um, that are in situations like with school boards fighting grooming. Um, You know, we want to help people heal from their sexual assault trauma. Um, We want to give people a platform to be able to, you know, um, get the word out, bring awareness to certain things involving and like that directly relate to the sex trafficking industry that directly relate to the pedophilia rebranding that directly relate to the grooming in our schools. And that's kind of where it started. And now it's just continuing to evolve every single day. We are adding more and we are, um, you know, we're getting laser focused on things that we really wanna make an impact with. Um, And right now we're in the process We're in those growing stages where it's kind of just Jess and I, and we're like wearing all of these hats, Um, but we are onboarding volunteers. We're getting all kind of these other programs going on. So we're really excited about where we are taking this and how far it's come in less than a year of us, you know, focusing on this. And it's such an important cause it's such an important topic that everybody should be super passionate about just like we are
1: yeah and i respect you guys for what you're doing um you know i myself i put that out there i i don't care if tiktok likes the idea of us going out and trying to expose even more on this issue Uh, Any of the content creators like uh, Patriot, Mama, and uh, OEF and their human trafficking uh, that they're doing uh, to you guys with We Want the Names, it, it needs to be exposed. It needs to be brought out. There needs to be a lot more done. And I think we need to really start to push to where we can get people in leadership to start to recognize it and come up with legislation for it
0: yes i agree um the cool thing is is that as we are go doing more and more um you know activism bringing awareness on social media we're connecting with a bunch of other organizations that are also fighting this as well but in different aspects of it and there's vets for child rescue that um if you're not familiar with them they're a, an amazing a phenomenal organization that is doing a lot of work um on the back end to fight the trafficking but um i'm bringing them up specifically because they are all, they are working on legislation they have a whole um group of people that are dedicated to bringing new legislation um to the forefront and getting lawmakers and the powers that be that need to or that can make an impact with this um, to get in front of them and to be heard on this aspect of it because you're absolutely right the legal system right now is set up to protect perpetrators it's set up to um, you know not protect the victims and it's not designed to combat um trafficking it's certainly not designed to uh protect victims from pedophiles either i mean and that's something that everybody i feel like as i feel like social media has really been able to expose people to the reality of what's going on out there because a lot of people are just like oh you know pedophiles get thrown the book at them, pedophiles get this, pedophiles get that. But the reality is is that they don't. Um, More often than not, pedophiles get away with what, uh, whatever crime they have done. It could be a very heinous crime and they get a slap on the wrist. They get, you know, what, 30 days in jail, probation, and they, you know, are back on the streets. And the average um, victim count of for a single pedophile, I think is 74 victims over their lifetime. Wow. Yeah.
1: And the thing of it is, too, I mean, even with the within the prison systems, they have built special units to put them in. Now they're no longer put in Jim Pop. Everybody thinks, oh, well, they're going to get the uh, prison code justice. And they're going to some prisons still do that, but not very many. The majority of all these prisons now have their own specialized units where they segregate them from the population so nothing happens to them.
0: Yeah, which I don't necessarily agree with. I feel like if you're in prison, you're in prison. It's like, why do you get special treatment? Did the child get that you victimized that you scarred for life got special treatment? No. That child now has a lifetime of trauma to deal with, you know? It's like, I don't understand the... I understand the reasoning behind it, but I also don't understand the reasoning behind it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, uh, just for me, I just think you harm a child, you should automatically be put to death. There is no rehabilitation in this. They will continue to offend. People are like, well, then get them castrated. (laughs) Well, that don't work either because they still have that mindset. They will find other ways to do it.
0: Right, right. Just like the whole movement of you know the rebranding that they are really trying to push um, to where we call pedophiles maps, you know minor attractive persons I mean they are doing that for us to gradually socially accept them, but then there's also like this so-called group of maps no maps. Um, so essentially, like what no maps are trying to say is, um, and you can see, like, I mean, they have a flag and everything. People don't believe this. People think this is like right wing pop- propaganda, and it's like, it's not. It's out there. You can go and look it up yourself. But the map itself, um, the colors will indicate, you know, the attraction to the minor that they have, the gender, the age, and then there's a white. Um, part of the flag in the middle and that's supposedly their commitment to not offend like to not actually act out on their uh, fantasies on what they're thinking which I don't believe that for one second but there is a whole group of people that are trying to say that they are attracted to to minors but they're actually not going to act out on it. And that's kind of the same thing. Like if you, if you want to castrate, you know, a pedophile, then Oh, that's going to fix the problem. It's not going to fix the problem. Just like I don't believe that there are no maps. I don't I think the urge um, inside them is something that they will absolutely given the opportunity, um, they will act out on it and they will offend and they will violate a child. And it's the same thing. There is no rehabilitation for pedophiles. I don't care what you say or what you do. There is no rehabilitation for it.
1: No, and that's been proven time and time again. They always let these people out. They're out within a few months, and then they're right back to doing what they're doing, and they just get a slap on the wrist, and they're back out again.
0: Yeah, I mean, the recidivism rate is high for them. And this is taking into account the actual um, reported cases, you know, because there's a lot of unreported incidents that happen with um, pedophiles. And that's what a lot of people don't take into account either. Like, they're just like, oh yeah, they'll get out, they live their life, they won't violate another child. Well, they will absolutely violate another child, whether we find out or not. Is a whole different story because i mean that the that aspect of it i mean there are people out there that there are parents out there that they might uncover it but for whatever reason they don't want to report it there's a lot of shame there's a lot of guilt there's a lot of embarrassment when it happens to a minor child it's like do you want to put the child has already been victimized they've already been violated do you want to put them through additional trauma by going to report this to the police and then it's going to become you know a news article, the child's going to be like, you know, whether they, they may not identify the kid, but it's still, it's going to come out, you know, like the information is going to come out. So there, there's a lot of other things that are involved with um, that. And I don't think people really understand the depth, the gravity, and the amount of people that your average pedophile really violates over their lifetime, because a lot of it doesn't come to the light.
1: Right. And, you know, it all starts in school. I remember being a kid and I'm sure for you, you had officer friendly that would come in and talk about stranger danger and, you know, would encourage parents to tell their kids to stay away from people that are, you know, strangers coming up saying, you know, I lost my dog or, here, I got free candy for you and to avoid it. But now they're attacking the police, police officers and they're, you know, taking them away basically from the schools from doing these programs.
0: Yeah. I, and that's one of the things that it's that and then it's, it's the whole um, and I think society is becoming better with this. Like whenever I was growing up, I'm a baby of the 80s um, and I was a victim of child molestation. But I am a perfect example of, I didn't tell my parents until I was in my twenties because it was a family member, you know, because there was fear, there was guilt, there was shame, there was embarrassment. There was, you know, my family was close knit. We went to my grandma every Sunday. It's like, I saw him all the time, you know, like my grandma doted on all of her grandchildren, including him. So from an emotional and mental standpoint, I didn't want to ruin that. I felt like if I was going to say something, like my family would isolate me. My grandparents wouldn't want me around anymore. Now that wasn't true, but in my mind as a young child, you know, that's how I'm taking it. And I think one of, and that brings me to the point of it's so important. And these are, this is one of the things that I'm going to work on is anti-grooming material um, you know, that you can get to schools, that you can get to parents, because it's so important to be able to have these difficult conversations with your kids. It's so important to be able to recognize the signs of child sexual abuse in your children. Um, and that just wasn't prevalent back in the 80s. It was one of those things that it was like, you know, the school's going to teach you Stranger Danger, but then that people don't want to talk about uncomfortable things. People don't want to talk about these kinds of things and children don't either. Um, and I think that one of the things that I really want to work on is giving people the tools and the techniques to be able to have these uncomfortable conversations, to be able to be aware enough to notice changes in your children and you know, start to dig into why there are changes, you know, if there are red flags popping up, but do it in the right way, you know, having the right resources, um, and having that opportunity to be able to intervene as a parent and catch it and be that parent that that child actually needs, you know, in that moment, um, And identifying the root of the issue and then helping that child to, through their healing journey, you know, prior to being in their mid twenties or, you know, I encounter people now that are in their thirties, forties and fifties that still never told their parents about it. And that goes to show you that yes, as a society, we are not well equipped to have these uncomfortable conversations, but also. The amount of victims that that one pedophile has, like I know my cousin in particular, probably had a lot more than the few victims that have been identified. Um, and that's important for people to understand. We know, when people are trying to say, you know, they can get rehab, they won't reoffend. That's just not true. It's just just because we don't know of it, just because it hasn't come to light, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And I wish more people would look at the reality of those aspects.
1: Yeah. And the scope that they're changing these schools into accepting this stuff is beyond ridiculous. Uh, it absolutely infuriates me. And, you know, I always like to speak out about it, that these schools have no business grooming these kids.
0: Yeah, they don't. I mean, no, but nobody has any business grooming these kids and, how we have gotten here as a society, as a society like i know how we've gotten here but then i i still struggle to comprehend that we have actually gotten to this point that we that we have to put anti grooming material out there you know that we have to fight against rebranding pedophilia like how i mean for me it's some days it's still mind boggling it's hard for me to comprehend that everybody doesn't have our point of view on
1: this right and it used to be just back in the day people understood that there's sick people out there that will try and do anything they can to harm your child and it's like they're just deeming all of us as a uh, domestic terrorists because we show up to the school boards over this stuff and we speak out on it that we're hateful people that it's a right wing extremist ideology that you know these that people can't be maps, you know, minorly attracted to people to young people. And it's just sickening. And it like you said, it's just mind boggling. It just hits me every once in a while when I see a new article that hits the uh, hits the news that, you know, another person has molested a kid and, you know, they want to normalize it.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't get it, but I mean, then you have California that passed that bill that you know, if they're 14 and up and they're within the 10 year range, um, it's up to the judge to where they require that offender register on the sex registry on the national um, database, and it and it's also considered a misdemeanor which prior to that, all molestation charges were considered felonies and it was an automatic registration. Huh. Um, now there are, like, there are different timeframes as far as how long you have to register, whether depending on the level um, that you're convicted of, but still it's mind boggling that some people are just like, yeah, it's okay. But then it brings me back, like everybody is always like, "Where, where is this coming from? Where did this stem from? And a lot of people don't relate it back to the Kinsing Institute. Are you familiar with the Kinsing Institute at all?
1: I've heard of it, but I have not reached down that far as far as getting information on it.
0: So that this is why I feel like a lot of people need to go back and research um, the Kinsey Institute again, because this is where all of this is coming from. And it is still a very prevalent Institute to this day. Um, But, and I'll just give you a brief synopsis of basically this uh, doctor took all of his studies about, you know, sexuality and sexual behavior um, from a pedophile from an actual pedophile so this pedophile um, I think it was over 300 children that he violated and the youngest I want to say was six months um, old and so he did all of these studies about very sick things it's it's there's a couple of documentaries out there they're really hard to watch um But it's very eye opening and it makes sense as to why, you know, we are in the space that we're in right now as far as um, pedophilia, because it's all stemming from that. And basically what it showed was that um, or what that what they believe is that um, babies are uh, sexual from birth. (laughs) And yeah, it isn't that insane. Like, I mean, think about it. Like babies are sexual from birth is what they say. And, um, the, it's all of the, all of the study material, everything that they, um, put out there all stemmed from the actual data that this guy pulled, documented, um, and it was all around him violating and molesting these over 300 children. So it doesn't really, and this is me not getting into a lot of detail with it. It's actually, very. it's a very interesting um, story behind it. Like I said, the documentaries are hard to watch, but it's also very eye-opening. And it explains exactly why we are in the space that we're in today. But just think about that on a small scale, that this whole institute puts out you know, ideas and um, like actual educational things regarding sexuality and gender and all of this. And it's all stemming from scientific, supposedly scientific studies that were done by a pedophile that he conducted, basically molesting over 300 children.
1: Wow, I will definitely check that out. Yeah, and as far as like the documentaries, I always have people say, "How can you sit and watch that stuff?" And I'm just like, "You have to set your mind to a certain degree to to accept what's going on in this world. You have to go in and you have to see what the hell's going on. And if it's watching these documentaries, it gives you an eye opener and it will burn a hole in you, but also." Yeah motivate you to want to stop this stuff
0: yeah i i do peop- i get that people that um are like how do you watch these things how do you expose yourself you know to the things that you expose yourself to and i it's like one of two things like i always tell people first of all when you when you wake up when you actually wake up you can't unsee the things that you've seen, you can't go back to sleep when you've seen what you've seen. And the other thing that I really struggle with, and people always are like that, this is probably a conversation that I have with a lot of people. They're always like, why aren't more people seeing this? And here's what I say to that. I say that um, there are people that just don't have the intestinal fortitude that I feel like their brains create this defense shield because if they did actually see what was really going on in society these days and they saw it for the depth that it has, they would crumble. So I almost feel like it's something that they can't handle it. They don't have the intestinal fortitude. They don't have the mental strength to handle those things. But again, to your point, if you do not expose yourself to this stuff, if you don't wake up, then um, I don't see how I, I feel like everybody has to start waking up because we need power in numbers. And, and I wish more people would just be like, Hey, let me come compart- Let me try and compartmentalize this. Let me watch it for what it is. And then, you know, take a mental break you know because compassion fatigue emotional fatigue comes in with with what we expose ourselves to but i feel like as as a duty to our children as a duty to america and to our society um, we have we have to stomach these things you know cuz yeah. it does it gives me the fire to continue to keep going you know it might keep me up at night like there are things that i watch that keep me up for weeks but It also gives me the determination, the strength, and the fire to keep going to fight against it.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, to me, with everything that's going on in the world, this is all about our future generations of kids. I mean, if we don't stand up for them now, just knowing the generations below us, I don't think anybody's going to stand up for anybody years down the road. Right. Because they're all going to be indoctrinated. They're all going to be accepting of everything they're being told to and nobody will wake up and it'll be, it'll be a seal the deal and done.
0: Yep. I agree. So it's now or never.
1: So for me, like my background, a lot of people kind of know, kind of don't know, but I was in the medical field for 21 years. Um, a lot of it was in psych and addictions and, Being in that field, it opened my eyes back then, especially when I worked in the ER for five and a half years. You would always see sexual assault cases come in, molestation cases come in. And, you know, working in that field, you get to read the charts if you're not actually involved with that patient, but you still get to read the charts on what happened and the things that happened to that person. And it will open your eyes up to a whole new world of just, how in the fuck is this going on? Yeah. So, you know, I've got to see it firsthand and got to go and actually deal with the people who have gone through it. And it's made me more aware and awake to further myself into this as I'm kind of getting involved in, you know, bringing awareness to, to the we want the names, to the human trafficking and everything like that. It's just, it wakes you up to a whole new level. Right. So yep. with, the, with the We Want the Names, what else uh, are you going to be doing moving forward?
0: So right now we are working on a few things. I'll tell you about um, Jess's project first. Um, we She's got this Guardian Project is what we're calling it. And uh, she's working on building out Um, some bait accounts. So we're going to do online predator hunting with that. Um, She's going to be accepting volunteers soon to help her with that uh, program. We have the Moms Against Maps program, which is something that I'm working on. And this in particular is going to be more of like an outreach raising awareness. Um, We deal with a lot of people that will tag us reach out to us for issues as far as like grooming and school systems um, particularly is something that we have um, a lot of people reach out to us for so we're going to use the moms against map organization to hopefully build out an army of moms in you know our nation and help with raising awareness being support for like school board meetings. Um, We have a whole page on our uh, website devoted to the moms against maps. So we're going to feature different news articles, different specific like administrators or teachers that we are trying to um, expose as far as their grooming agendas and the school systems, um, so we have that going. We have got a weekly support group for anybody who has experienced um, any kind of sexual assault trauma, and that is on Sundays. It is every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is led by Super Awesome, the free-thinking Lesbian. And we're going to become an official member of the SASA worldwide. I'm actually in the process of getting the little formal system going through that so we will also be on their website as well as well as far as our online meeting. Anybody is welcome for that. This is the women's only one. I'm currently looking to identify a gentleman who has... Um, Had sexual trauma to where they can lead the men's group for us, but I'm still in the process of doing that. But if anybody hears me and is a man who has experienced that and would like to lead a group, reach out to me on the website or on my TikTok or any of my social media. So we've got that going. Um, We have our rally. We're doing two, um, we're committed to doing two national rallies a year, like our big ones. We're doing a border crisis rally. May sixth in Laredo. So we're going to be promoting that and announcing that soon. Um, we all know what's going on at the border. And we all know what goes on with CPS. CPS is another one of those things that we are setting our sights on to expose because they're just as corrupt as Epstein and his, um, you know, pedophilia ring. So but the border is obviously a huge concern. I mean that's trafficking uh, that I mean, that's just prime trafficking picking right there as far as like children being left exposed. I saw a video yesterday on TikTok. It was three kids that they found um, by themselves. and I mean, one was like a baby. Um, I guess the oldest might have been like six or seven, you know, on the banks of the river right there. It's like if traffickers had found them, where would those kids be today? Nobody would see them again. No. Um, so that's something that we are really going to focus on this year because of the amount of trafficking. And then even just the children coming in, like what the migrant, there were 20,000 kids that were lost by the U S government. You know, they yeah. say lost. We all know what happened to them. Um, they get into the government systems. They CPS has been known to medically traffic kids, to sexually traffic kids. So, um, and we know that that's happening on the border. So that's one thing that we are focusing on. Um, and then beyond that, we are going to be doing some things as far as like the anti-grooming program that we'll be building out this year. Um, we've got a, couple, a bunch of other projects that we're going to be working on the website as far as um, a resource guide, partnering with other um, organizations to, you know, provide, uh, I guess, a holistic um, aspect of, you know, being able to get people the right resources when they're needed, as far as, like, shelters, um, you know, because the, there's a lot of other things involved with, like, people that are being trafficked, people that are being abused. Um, so we'd really like to be able to um, connect people to the right people and have all of our resources in one little box um, to be able to help everybody in every aspect of it. So we're working on that. That's all about relationship building, connecting with a bunch of other great organizations, What we're, which we are doing right now. Uh, and then one other big thing that we are going to be focusing on this year is Bringing awareness to, we do a lot of like digging as far as like, um, like what your children are exposed to, as far as books and cartoons and video games. So, Jess and I are going to be working on getting people, getting more volunteers involved to help with that aspect of it because there are so many dangers out there, there are so many. Um, ways that our children are being infiltrated that people don't even realize it so bringing awareness to some of the books out there that are available in libraries that are geared towards children but are not necessarily child safe um, because they have very specific agendas and the same with the cartoons and the video games Um, a lot of the video games are just hubs for like predators I mean yeah let's be honest on that so that's one of the big things that we want to we just want to we want to empower parents we want to do the hard work for them so that they can just come to us and say you know let me look at what's your take on this video game what what'd you find in here you know we just want to be able to do all those exposure pieces so that parents have a resource and they know What their children are really being exposed to, what things to avoid, um, and stuff like that. Because parenting is hard. So if we can help with any aspect of it, um, then that's what we want to do. And so that's another project. We got a lot of things going on, but it (laughs) sounds like it. We're very determined. We're very passionate. And we we are going to get all of this stuff done. We are also accepting volunteers. So if anybody wants to volunteer, go to our website. There is a volunteer sign up page. And I will be the one reaching out to you um, regarding that. So come help us.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of parents are just kind of blind to the fact of what goes on with these video games with like twitch and there's discord yep. and there's a lot of predators that are in those applications that are just you know waiting to pounce on a child to come in there and and chat these chat rooms are a very very uh, dangerous area for young kids to be in
0: and yes they i are. mean i waited
1: till my kids were like 12 and 13 before they got their first phones you know, so, and that was only because they were in a lot of sports, and so they were coming and going quite a bit, so I could keep in contact with them, but I made sure I monitored what they were doing, and I had, you know, a lot of the parental things put on the phones to keep them from accessing things they shouldn't. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people who have kids, they kind of see as a kind of an easy way to have a babysitter is to hand them an ipad or a phone or get them an xbox and then they don't check up on their kids and see what's going on you know because i've seen i've seen a lot of that whenever i was in the medical field of people being on video games and then they get off and get in chat rooms with these people thinking they're talking to someone of their age and then they go meet them and then they turn around and they're molested and raped and yeah, like you said, they don't want to tell mom and dad what they did because their parents are going to frown down upon them and uh, they'll feel guilty for doing what they did.
0: Yeah. Yes. The, the video games are probably one of the number one things um, out there right now that is so concerning. Like we get story. We hear stories about that Roblox one all the time. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's something that we are extremely passionate about making sure that we bring awareness to that um and and like even anime um in general, like I went down that whole lollicon um dark hole which is super disgusting, but that brings you to anime and anime has a lot of not so good avenues that it leads down to. And I always warn people, parents, um, with kids that are interested in anime because they're more often than not, when I'm like up late at night on Twitter, looking for like posting in private accounts so that I can report or document and send to the FBI because I found, you know, kitty corn on there. um, It's all anime. It's all anime um, profile pics, you know, there's like red roses in the profiles There's, you know, once you get into that world and you learn the hashtags and you learn the abbreviations and all of that stuff, um, you can find it really easily. And a lot of it, like, it was like two weeks before Christmas. I mean, I spent probably a week um at night i couldn't sleep because i was finding nothing but posting in private accounts on twitter and it was all anime and i found them on snapchat i mean on uh, uh, tiktok too yeah tiktok was all anime.
1: tiktok's really bad about censoring patriots but they won't censor some of the oh, they won't. sexually sexually explicit stuff geared towards kids it's it's fine to do that but you can't talk out against the government or the bad things that are happening
0: Uh, Yeah, I know. I have documentation. I did like screen recordings of me trying to post, I mean, report these posting in private accounts. And TikTok would come back no violation. The same with the ones where they had the um, indigenous women where they were showing these kids who, yes, in their native culture, um, nakedness is not something that, you know, shy away from, but they were showing the whole body you know no censorship and I would I reported account after account after account video after video TikTok did not violate a single one and people weren't sharing that to show their appreciation for their culture they were sharing it because it was kids who were naked and I know that there were sickos out there getting off on it
1: yeah and they will and they will always try to find a way and i don't know if you've seen i i grew up catholic and i didn't want to be catholic i didn't want to go to catholic school but it was a thing that was involved in my dad's side of the family they're you know true catholic people so you know going to catholic school we dealt with the priests and you know after i graduated from high school all three of our priests from the three schools I went to, all three were arrested for kiddie porn and molestation of kids. Ew. And, you know, there was a documentary that came out, I think it was in 2013, 2014. It was called Mia Maxima Copa. It's about a school that was up in, I believe, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And it was a school of the deaf. And this uh, priest by the name of Father Lawrence uh, Murphy, he was molesting all those deaf kids. And they kept trying to go to the police about it, and the police kept bringing them back. And they continued to be molested, and finally, one of them escaped, and he was able to get to somebody besides the Milwaukee Police Department, and they end up Doing an investigation, well, it ties into Pope John Paul and then uh, the uh, Pope Benedict. Yeah, Pope Benedict, before he became Pope, was over all the legal issues and the reportings of child molestation, he kept hiding it. So, when that came out, that's the reason why he resigned as Pope. A lot of people think that it was because he was sick. It wasn't because of that. It was because he was tied to this whole documentary that came yeah, out. The yeah, the
0: scandal. So
1: he, he resigned and, you know, then they finally found the Father Murphy. They had taken him and hid him in a place in Ireland where they took all the priests that were, you know, child molesters and they sent them there to retire. So that just goes to show how deep the child molestation rings and the, the, you know, the molestation and the trafficking and all that goes. It goes all the way deep into the Vatican. It goes all the way deep into our governments. And, you know, with the whole we want the names, it involves our government and people don't want to open their eyes up that possibly there could be judges and senators and I mean, people, people
0: struggle with People struggle with that. They struggle with the religious aspect of it. And it, I mean, it's not just the Catholic Church. I am Catholic. I'm still very practicing Catholic. Um, but I know that my children go to Catholic school. Um, but I know that there are priests out. I mean, I know the corruption in it. I know the corruption, you know, in Rome with the popes um, and the Vatican. But Um, I think people struggle with wanting to recognize that their religion could be potentially involved in it. You know, they, they struggle with their government could be potentially involved in this. I mean, that's not something that you want to admit. It's not something that you want to, um, recognize it. It hurts, you know, that self-awareness of being able to say, wow, you know, i I'm part of, um, you know, an organization, or I have people in my political party that, you know, are participating and complicit in these things. That's a struggle, I think, just a human struggle, in general. Um, for me, I mean, I get it. I'm, I'm very aware, and I'm able to separate the fact that, for my religion is my religion, and the people that I and. I know that there are bad people in every religion, you know, like we have, um, all of these stories about these, you know, so-called religious schools that were doing nothing but abuse and all of that. I mean, we have, we hear about pastors and preachers and these evangelical churches that have nothing but these, you know, um, incestual abusers that are these these church leaders i mean it's insane i mean it's it's crazy the corruption that you find um but i think it's important for people to understand that you can still you can still be a christian you can still believe in god you can still be a catholic but not relate and not condone the bad people within that space that have basically utilized or taking advantage of their position in the Catholic Church um, and use it as an exploitation tool and a protection tool um, to take advantage of children. I think it's important for people to try and understand that and look at it from that perspective.
1: Absolutely. And I think that people need to be more like us and be more aware and awake in those uh, churches and temples and everything and continue to monitor what goes on there and keep a open And if you eye see out.
0: something, say something. That's Absolutely. my, that's my big thing. Like I, I've always been an advocate. I've done a ton of volunteer work as a young, um, you know, in my twenties I started volunteering as a CASA, Um, You know, so I was a mandated reporter, as far as abuse was concerned. Um, And I think it's important for people to get out of their comfort zone. And if they see something, say something, because their silence is contributing to the violence. They are complicit in what is being perpetrated, if they do not speak up. And I want more people to let that sink in and find the courage within themselves to help somebody who is seemingly voiceless at the time. Um, And that's something that I feel like the world would just be a better place if more people did that.
1: 100. So, about jeffrey epstein do you believe that the man killed himself and he's dead or do you still believe he's alive
0: <laughs> so he did not kill himself i did yeah, a whole, we know that. <laughs> i did a whole video on on that on tiktok we all know he didn't kill himself it's hilarious that people are still trying to say that he did um even like his buddy his supposed buddy in in prison that said he uh he was like oh yeah he absolutely killed himself and but i i don't believe the dude at all i mean we have accounts from his counselor who is counselor in prison said jeffrey specifically said i am looking forward to getting out the dude was an art he is a narcissist he he knew he thought that he was going to be able to get away with this he thought i mean and to his thinking, he got away with so many things his entire life. A lot of people don't even realize the background of Jeffrey and how long he'd been perpetrating crimes. Um, he said, I feel great. You know, I'm looking forward to getting out. I'm not suicidal. I'm not going to kill myself. And it just so happened, like, the everything went wrong with the prison that night. For First of all, they had a... They had a rule, a policy, that he was supposed to have a roommate and or his cellmate, and his cellmate was moved, and he wasn't given a new one. And then the cameras were off, and then everybody saw the photos. They gave him a CPAP machine. A supposedly suicidal person, they gave a CPAP machine with an electrical cord, and they gave him a plethora of sheets. Um. And even the autopsy, like a lot of people don't, didn't even like read into the autopsy, but they have those bones in the neck where they'll say that, you know, a um, a suicide, if you go look at like
1: the- The bone.
0: The, yeah, but it's the bone at the top that will break whenever you um, commit suicide. So it's like strangulation by suicide, but then there's strangulation by homicide. And that's where the lower part of the neck is um, bruised and broken. And that's exactly where Jeffrey supposedly his autopsy, whenever it was done, um, was broken. I do believe he is dead. I know a lot of people say that they believe he's still alive. I do believe he is dead. And I do believe they killed him because I think I honestly believe that um, he enjoyed his freedom so much that he was going to start selling people out so that he could get out of prison and people were afraid of that and I feel like I know that they killed him off for it um because a dead man tells no tales right
1: absolutely
0: but I'm still
1: I'm still kind of a skeptic I still think from time to time that he's probably paid somebody off and he got out and he's living somewhere in a Zionist colony where he can be left alone. And that was part of the deal he made to go away and stay gone. And I just feel
0: like his ego wouldn't allow him to stay away.
1: Yeah. And that's the other part that gets me too, is that he was such a, such an egotistical maniac. And he just, you know, he just thought he was God's gift to earth.
0: He did. I mean, he thought that he had this God complex and he was so many things in his life. I mean, he got away with the Ponzi scheme that his partner um, spent 18 years in federal prison for. He got away with the molestation of those young kids back in Florida, the first time that he was ever assaulted because they painted 14 year olds out as prostitutes. Like, I mean, he had everything working for him. Um, and I ju- that's my struggle with thinking that with people that say they think he's alive. is I just feel like he, I feel like his ego and his narcissism wouldn't allow him to stay hidden, you know? Yeah.
1: And, you know, so, everybody keeps saying, well, we already know the names. Why do you keep saying you want the names? Well, yeah, we know about the... Uh, celebrity star-studded cast list that he had but a lot of people from them this is from the research i got from some other people that i was working with at the time is that there was a secondary flight log and a federal judge immediately sealed it and it never was brought to the forefront about anything and supposedly that other sealed uh, flight log has everybody in the government from judges to politicians to, you know, people in government. And what's your thoughts on
0: that? So we get, we get that question a lot. They're like, we already have the names. No, we don't have the names. Here's the thing. We have the black book. Yes, I have a copy of the black book. That doesn't tell us anything. We also have some flight logs. Also, that does not tell us anything. If you've done any kind of reading and research on Jeffrey Epstein, he was a creature of habit. He was so meticulous with his record keeping, with his bookkeeping. He had ledgers where you would sign in whenever you would like enter his home. So he kept track of all of the girls that would come in and he was essentially getting um massages from that he was assaulting or molesting so you also have yeah we have proof that um you know he got a lot of money from Lex wexner and all of this stuff but you also have a man who really amounted to nothing in life um but was one of the richest men out there so With those two things combined, the fact that he kept meticulous records of everything and the fact that he was suddenly like this wealthy, wealthy man, it's like one starts to question, where is he getting his money from? What kind of business is he really doing? And then secondly, if he kept that meticulous account of people going in and out of his um, house, of, you know, just his everyday life, you don't think for one second that he's got meticulous records of who his clients were that he would traffic these women to, of the transactions, you're telling me that we, we can't find any kind of transactional things, bank accounts, um, exchanges of money, as far as like him selling the services of these women. I mean, it doesn't make any logical sense. If you look at the kind of man that he was, the, um, his attention to detail and the fact that he had all of this money, I mean, no one's like stopping and saying, well, where is this money coming from? Well, why can't we track the sources of his money? You know, why can't we look at his tax returns? Why can't we look at all of these things and start to like deduce what was really going on, what kind of business he had and who were his clients? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. So we know that there is some type of record out there. We know that there has to be evidence of what really transpired as far as his pedo um, ring, who his clients were. And that's what we want to know. We don't care who went to the island necessarily. We don't care who was in his black book. We wanna know who his actual clients were. Who did he sell and traffic these <laughs> girls to?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you follow the money trail, of the Clintons, you will definitely find that they were part of that.
0: Oh, there they are. We know that. And, that. and that's the other thing. I love how Bill Clinton has always tries to distance himself from him. And it's hilarious because there is blatant evidence that he was close to Jeffrey, that they were friends, that they spent a lot of time together, that they were on the island, you know? So I know that it's there. I just feel like they are hiding it because of the people that are on that list, the people that they can track the money to, the people that they have record of, you know, who was partaking in it. I mean, and we know that. We know that there are really higher up people, you know, like Prince Andrew. Yeah. governmental people um people in really high positions influential people investors bankers um you know politicians lawyers hollywood
1: a lot of hollywood yeah and so. i think and that's a that's the thing i love about uh joe bowman calling out Jimmy Kimmel and
0: oh yeah doing he's that right. whole
1: ordeal that I mean what he's done with that has been amazing to just go after him and hammer him with this challenge has been it's been hysterical but if you look at the seriousness of it we you know he he's on that list and we know he is
0: absolutely I mean we we know a lot of them are on that list and they um I mean, and they don't hide it anymore. You know, they make fun of things. I mean, look at some of the comedic things that he tries to pull in. I mean, it's sickening stuff. It's, you know, they joke about eating babies and drinking blood. And, um, I mean, it's, it's really disgusting things. But the the truth is, is that we know that there is truth to this. There are facts behind that. And, Uh,
1: um... Now, have you seen the thing on Roku, the, uh borough app that they I,
0: have. I did download the app. Um, I like it because I feel like it's for amateur conspiracy realists, um, you know, people that don't necessarily know where to find really good documents. I mean, documentaries that I think everybody should watch, and it puts everything in one little neat spot and you can pretty much just tell someone, Hey, go here, you know, because instead of telling them to go to this specific site to watch this and that, and cause I'm yeah. always trying, I'm always trying to wake people up and tell them to go watch like these little ones, go watch Contra land, go watch, you know, murder by mouth, go watch all these things. Um, because this tells you a lot of what's going on out of the shadows is another great one.
1: Yeah, that's a really good one, too. You know, and just following that up with the whole, the Pizzagate, the pedal gate, you know, yep. people have been involved in trying to expose it, the uh, Chris everyone Cornels, that died, Chris everyone. Cornell's of the world and the Chester yeah. Bennington's of the world. I mean, uh, people have been trying to wake people up and trying to expose this stuff, and they've just been unalived by yep. the people who are involved in that, and that's why I say the Clintons are... Mm-hmm. knee-deep and not neck-deep in everything that's going on.
0: Absolutely. They are.
1: So where can everybody find you?
0: Okay. So you guys go to our, um, we are severely throttled on TikTok so much so that it's like becoming a chore to even post on there. But if you go to our website, which is very simple, we want wewantthenames.com. <laughs> Um, I know. We kept it very simple. We also have an Instagram that we post a lot of our own TikTok content on there. Um, And that's also We Want the Names. So they can find us. Those are two great sources. And again, if anybody wants to volunteer, go to the website, sign up. Um, If not, just sign up for our newsletter. We send out like five newsletters a month, um, just about different topics, different things going on, and more um, trafficking and whatever is relevant in Epstein's world too, because we are still staying on this story. We're seeing it through.
1: And just keep going at it. Keep pushing through. I appreciate everything that you and Jess are doing. Uh, You have my full support. If you want me to, I will promote this on my show. Any kind of events any kind of news you let me know i can put it on my podcast just to let people have an update and i will continue to promote the people who are out here trying to expose this even more
0: awesome man well i appreciate it we appreciate it because um, this is what it's about it's about coming together and all working towards the same uh, purpose and about bringing all of this darkness into the light. So we appreciate it so much, and I will keep you posted on anything that you can help us um, continue to get out there. Okay,
1: and then hopefully we can do a show again somewhere in the middle of the year. Um, I know Jess is busy with her baby, so that's kind of why I just had you come on because of yeah. The show. Yeah, we
0: can get Jess for sure. Yeah. We'll and and there, we
1: man. could all have a conversation about it. So I appreciate you coming on the show and giving us the information and being an amazing person.
0: All right. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.